Welcome to TTC for Success on the Go. This is Arish. Welcome back. All right, this episode, I want to dig right in and helping you folks who deal with crisis. Um, one of the number reason, number one reasons why we have our services is to support and helping parents get their children and their loved ones healthy again. You're probably not a newbie if you have our services, so you've had to have some type of emergency crisis moment where you weren't sure if your child or your loved one was safe. So let's look at this. There's a couple different reasons why you would be in crisis. Sometimes it has to do with just that power struggle that exists between a parent and child. Um, sometimes it has more to do with the family dynamics causing um, stress or um, promoting some type of a trigger that causes your child or loved one to not be okay. You know, In other words, they don't have the coping skills to manage the situation and the circumstance, so they pop. Okay, so what does that look like? Well, we've got one level, which would be like temper tantrums and verbal aggression, you know, sassy talking, cussing, disrespectful, maybe making threats. Um, many of the threats might start off being idle, like silly things that, you know, they don't have the ability to pull off. But then they start to get more serious, like they're going to hurt themselves. They're going to do this. They're going to go here. You know, those are the things that you want to listen to. OK, because they are a red flag. Now, how do we do this? So the intervention is a process, right? The first step is a safety plan. So that's why you were given that six steps to crisis um, that walks you through in the moment to determine, okay, what do I need to do? You know what? It's a natural response to overreact. It really is. Don't blame yourself if you've done that before. But it also sometimes can be a hindrance in getting the treatment program established if we constantly you know, ring 911. Because sometimes we can do some preventative steps to see if we can resolve the situation in our natural environments. The biggest factor in this is going to be your ability to disengage and to emotionally regulate yourself. If you go into any of these moments trying to do intervention with your child or loved one and you're hysterical or you're angry or even just reactive, like you're shouting, you're yelling, you're taking it personally, that's human, right? We all go there, especially when somebody's working our nerves. But we can't be successful in the intervention on a mental health level when we're in that place because it just furthers the cycle of escalation. It's a dance we do, you know? So the first step is to get a little zen with yourself. Figure out what you know of your own triggers ahead of time. Know this. Know what that kid or that loved one does that pushes your buttons. If your buttons are pushed, you're going to have to take a deep breath and step back from it or get somebody else to help you because it, you're not going to win in that moment, right? Now, some situations don't need to be dealt with right in that moment. For example, um, disrespectful talk, profanity, just being nasty. You don't necessarily have to address it in the moment. You really don't. You can come back to it later when you're in a calmer place. Sometimes that's actually more effective in teaching the lesson to the kid because they have to learn natural consequence. You talk to me nasty, I don't talk to you. Okay, that's level one. There's really no safety concerns with that. Level two is when there's threats being made, whether they're verbal threats or they're physiologically making threats to either hit, hurt, kick, bite, swallow something, cut themselves, any of those levels of possible physical aggression that could hurt themselves or you, any level of um, verbal threat that's saying that they are going to harm themselves in a serious capacity, we have to listen to that. 
Now, do we yell at them? Do we scold? Do we give punishment? No, not in that moment. The first thing you need to do is listen. Repeat back what they've told you. Ask them if they're serious. And if they seem to be still on that mission to convince you, ask them how they're going to do it or what it is that they have as a plan. If there's some way you can get that information, it helps to determine what you do next, okay? If they're not going to tell you what they're going to do, but they're just saying, I'm going to hurt myself, okay, well, then we have to take it with some level of, of seriousness and, and look around the room. You know, what could they have access to? You do not need to grab them in this moment, okay? You want to be careful because if you further charge the emotion in the moment or the action in that moment, it can actually cause a big explosion that you didn't need to have in the first place. So my first statement that I always give to parents is, if you were to walk away, would they calm down? I mean, it's just, it's so simple, but it, you know, in many ways, we, we forget that. If we just leave them alone, will they self-soothe? And will this pass for this right moment not to be a major crisis? Now, some of you will say, absolutely no, they're going to tear up my house. They're going to break things. They're going to do all these things. Okay, material things can be replaced. As long as they're not punching through glass and walls in a way that could hurt them in their body or coming after you with some object, technically you could disengage because you can always have the consequence later. I know that doesn't sound great, but let's be honest. If you've got, you know, porcelain bowls and, and crystalline glass in cabinets on display and your kid is one who makes these kind of threats, maybe it's time to put them away for a little bit until the intervention is, is more successful. I'm, I'm just being real with you all. Um, many of you do need to have a locked cabinet with sharps and medications, um, even chemicals. If you can lock them up in some way where those kids can't access it, it reduces the threat, right? Okay, so now we're in the moment. We can't walk away. They are actually making some viable threats there that we think they could probably pull off. Now you, you know, you got to call, you got to get some help. Now, is this because of a power struggle that could be resolved or is this because of where they're at emotionally? That's not for you to decide sometimes, you know, you might be too close to it. It doesn't hurt to get a third party. Now, how do you do that? You can always call your TTC team. We're always there for you in crisis. And if God forbid you can't reach us. You can also try your own therapist and, and psychiatrist. They sometimes have hotlines. Another part that we can give you within your community is there are crisis response teams that will come out and do assessments. Last resort would be calling 911 and calling the police and explaining what's happening. And that's something that we should prepare ahead of time if you think this might happen. Remember, calling 911 is, those are the big guns. You really, no pun intended, you really don't want to call that if it's a simple thing like Joey won't get out of bed. <laughs> Come on now. That's not causing anybody unsafety. It's just a pain in the neck, you know? Yeah, not functional because it's his third day skipping school. But calling the, the cops in that situation is, is, is a little too much. But if Johnny's sitting there in the bathroom locked in talking about I'm going to kill myself, okay, yeah, you better be calling because that's a CYA on your part. God forbid they do hurt themselves or somebody else in your family and now you got to explain to EMT people why somebody's injured or unconscious. Oh my gosh, your lack of response can look legally binding. So you really want to be thoughtful on that. And if you're still not sure, it's okay to ask, hey, I got a kid doing X, Y, and Z. Do you think this is something you could help me with? They'll come out and they'll tell you whether or not they can do something or not. All right. So that's the basic response that you're going to want to have to filter in your brain. Like, how am I going to do this? Now, if we do have to go to that point and the authorities do get involved, they'll tell you what the next step is. If they decide that that person is so unstable in that point that they really could hurt themselves and they're making viable 
imminent threats. That means that they have the means to do what they're saying that they want to do to themselves or to you or others. In that situation, there is a legal code for a hold. It's called a 5150. That means that they can technically arrest them and take them to a mental health facility for further assessment. Okay? It is an arrest, technically. And because it's a legal matter, they can only hold that patient for 72 hours until the psychiatrist reassesses and sees that they're still in danger. So it's legal. You can't just lock somebody up just because they're being a pain in the butt or being weird or, you know, irrational. You have to have psychological evidence that this person is actually in danger. So we take this seriously, right? Now, what happens from there? They may transport them over to like an emergency treatment services, ETS. They may take them straight to a hospital, emergency room, and they'll be there waiting until they can get a bed and be checked. Unfortunately, many of you have been through this step and it's not pleasant, okay? You're sitting there for hours. Make sure you have a phone charger. Make sure your loved ones know where you are. And you may even want to... Um, Make sure that you can grab a snack or something because you're going to be there for a long time. The worst part to it is right now in Riverside County, for example, there aren't a lot of mental health unit um, beds. So a lot of times your kids sit in the ER sometimes for days until they can clear them, transfer them, and get them into a bed. It's a pain in the neck. And all the parents who I've talked to who go through this, they cry. This is so stupid. I know this kid is just manipulating me and they're going to turn it around as soon as they see the doctor and they get their macaroni and cheese and they get to watch TV for 24 hours. They have a vacation and then they're going to say, I'm fine. I'm not going to do it again. How frustrating it is, but better be safe than sorry. And sometimes this is the process that we need to get better levels of intervention. And that's where we come in. So next podcast, I'll be talking a little bit about that. How do you take the history, collect the data so that you can get the higher levels of support that you really need and you don't have to keep going through this roller coaster? Well, I hope this has all been helpful to you all. By all means, if you have questions, concerns, anything, you know how to reach me, people. TTC for success on the go. You can always give me a call. I wish you all the best. Thank you.